Ladies and gentlemen, theys and thems, weavers of all races and subclasses, welcome to This Dungeon is Occupied. My name is Illidine, and together with Thorn and Bone Daddy as your hosts, we wish to help you as players and game masters, from the aspiring to the veteran, with questions, ideas, and interviews for your next tabletop role-playing game experience. Hi everyone, Story Weavers all. Um, welcome to a very special episode of our um, Dungeons is Occupied podcast. I'm Robbie. I'm typically the third host and um, ugly stepsister of the group, and I very rarely, uh, well, not very rarely, but you hear me talk most of the time, semi in the background, um, unless it, unless we're talking about monsters, in which case I am the, I like jump to the forefront the best I can. Um, I am. We are having a very awesome episode revolving around Pride, since it is Pride Month, and since I am the uh, token gay of. The three um, musketeers. I'm been asked to take over the podcast semi while I talk about some different um, interesting things about Pride and my experiences with um, with Wizards of the Coast and uh, the representation of me as a person in their stories and uh, role playing games. So I have um, we do have Illidine and uh, Thorn here as well. Uh, say hi, everyone. Hello. Hi. But they've offered to take a little bit of a backseat while I go over a couple things and talk about um, some representation that I'm looking for from Wizards of the Coast while also giving you some ideas on how to incorporate representation into your games and how to look at uh, different ways you can you can have LGBTQ characters in your campaigns and um, how to not make them uh, stereotypes essentially. Um, so I guess I should begin with my experience. Um, I, you know me as Bone Daddy. Um, my name is uh, Robbie, and um, I am a gay male who's uh, uh, stationed in San Antonio. And so my experience with the, um, with representation in Dungeons and Dragons is that I've always played gay characters because I am in fact a gay person. So it's always been my experience to pull from what I know. And um, I'll either play female gay characters in Dungeons and Dragons, as well as other role-playing games. And as a dungeon master and story weaver, I tend to incorporate a lot of that into my campaigns. Um, I like to have a lot of representation, represent Pride Month in my games. Um, I like to have um, different kinds of uh, characters from all aspects and all walks of life in my campaigns and that's the best way that I can represent myself in my stories is that when I have those types of um I pull from my experience and I have those type of characters in my game whether it's um a shopkeeper with a husband or it is a essential part of my game such as a god or a goddess that represents some part of the um, experience of what it is to be LGBTQ. And so I, with my games, I like to incorporate a variety of, of different, um, I don't know, like like the, one of my biggest things with my, with my campaigns, is I, I'll just start from the beginning. One of the biggest things for my campaigns is I like to things, I like to have things unfold naturally in my stories. So I, um, I'm not, I'm not big on, sh on telling you, I'm big on showing you. So I like to have, instead of coming out with a, coming out with an NPC that's, um, 
that ha- is gay or bi, I like to incorporate it into the story itself and kind of weave it in as um, subtly as possible so that way you pick up on that subtlety and you you see the character um, as more than just that gay character or that bi character in my campaign. And that's on top of that, it's part of my world building as well. Um, I like to, um, when I build worlds, I, I don't just build them where they're a utopia for everybody on on the on who lives in my campaign. I like to show um, different struggles. Like for example, one of my recent campaigns I had on the struggle between Tabaxis and Leonins, who are essentially the same race in that they're I have them the same race in my campaign, and I took the um, that experience to show um, racial differences in my stories. And so um, that was one of the underlying underlying story points of my campaign, and it was to showcase things going on in the world today. And that's what I do with with my gay experience as well. Um, I um, I have story points that represent the um, different struggles that the community suffers from, um, discrimination, and then also lack of representation. I also have incorporate changelings in my campaign as a um a great way to show what it what um what it means to be either like gender fluid or or fluid in your identity in my stories and it's one of my favorite things to do because it's a magical world and so um it's really easy to to use that fantasy to um to fuel the uh to fuel that that kind of storytelling like where i'm i'm representing myself and what it what it means what gender identity means to me and what like my gay experience means to me and the magic does help the magic helps because it, it allows me to um poof piece of my world are like this and it it really helps um me tell my story as best i can and I think it's great. I I love using the character creation as a form of testing how I view my identity as a person. And I've met other people who are share similar experiences with me on that. Um, I have um, I have friends in the trans community who use the character creation in role playing games as a way to test out aspects of their identity. Um, it allows them to really look at how um, how how they perceive themselves and how they want to present themselves to others, and then showcase it in a smaller sphere. Um, and especially in like a role playing game, they can they can change all aspects of themselves. And um, as a story weaver, it's important to understand that because you're not you you're trying to help facilitate the best experience for your players. So knowing that and having that idea in mind, um, it, it might help you better approach, it might help you approach character creation differently, thinking that so that way when someone's showing you a character, your initial reaction, if you like, if you're looking at the character, you're like, why they do it like this, won't be the like, well, you should change it like this, you should do it like this instead but instead accept the character for what the character comes as. And um, that type of acceptance might mean the world to your players. And so it's important when you're also building your world and your stories to know that 
not everybody has the same experiences as you do. And so um, approaching that character creation that way and also making sure that um, if somebody presents an idea for, for an aspect of your world to be open to it and to kind of have that, um, that empathy in the back of your mind to understand well, why, why are they looking for this aspect in, in this world and how can I incorporate it? In? Cause it's supposed to be, it's your, your story weaver and your facilitator for these ideas, but also you it is a form of group storytelling. So the fact that somebody wants to see something in your world that you're like interesting and wonder why they want to incorporate that in, it might be, it might have something to do with them trying to explore their identity as well in this role-playing game. Now, I've, um, I've spoken a lot about how I write games and how I incorporate that into my games, but um, I also want to talk about what it would mean for, um, or what I'm looking for from, from especially Dungeons and Dragons, but other role-playing games as well. And mostly what I'm looking for is um, more variety on, on authors, like those who write modules and stuff, more, uh, more queer authors, more female authors, more um, just showing a diverse set of ideas in different stories that are, that are main, on the mainstream right now. Yeah, I can tell you left and right, but I write all these wonderful stories that are super representative, rep, rep, super representative, represent, representatory. Um, but uh, in the mainstream, we look at like what modules are being published now. And actually, um, Wizards of the Coast has been doing a great, a great job, especially when they published Candlekey Mysteries. They had a variety of authors in that one. And on top of that, while introducing like battle wheelchairs, which is great for, for, um, people with um with disabilities so like um if they want to play a character represented themselves in the game um there could there's like different ways to present that in stories and it's also part of the mainstream canon which is fantastic um things like that stories that um also stories that incorporate uh different ideas and walks of life like for example pacifist idea um, with the new um, the the new walk into the Fey realm, what is it called? Uh, Elf light, right? Thorin or Elodian? You're talking about the witch light? Yeah, witch light. Um, yeah, it's a the wild new, beyond the witch light. Yeah, there we go. Wild beyond the witch light. I can never remember witch light. I keep wanting to say. I mean, light. it's a plethora of words. So <laughs> yeah, the wild beyond the witch light offers a full pacifist view on. Tackling Dungeons and Dungeons and Dragons, like you can go through the whole module without fighting anyone, without killing anybody, um, and that's a great form of representation as well. It doesn't always have to be violence and anger; it can just be the exploration of the world itself and having the full human experience together. So, um, I think was the coast is doing a great idea, a great, great thing, and um, I just want to see more of it. Um, I bought I bought the Witchlight and I bought um, Candlekeep Mysteries and I read them consistently. Um, but also other role playing games incorporating um, that idea that it does not just has to be fighting monsters and creating the other when fighting them. It can be about um, getting along and uh, showing a full a full spectrum of representation in them 
and also for everyone to kind of have their full human experience through it. So I don't know. Um, is there anything else you want to ask me, Elizabeth and Thorne? <laughs> I mean, I mean, we could talk a little bit about our experiences too, um, because I, I I like that we're getting something from Wizards of the Coast. Like they're they're definitely trying and going above and beyond taking a lot of the like quote unquote race war stuff and and representation stuff in general out of out of everything like i i know from earlier editions it was like no elves and dwarves hate everybody and that was like very clearly a you know a, a race thing that we had to deal with um and there weren't as you said there weren't wasn't as much representation for the lgbt community um and now i mean they're they're trying but i think that it's good to see that they're trying but i think that we as players and and story weavers also have to just let it let it happen and we don't like luckily the three of us and the rest of our group we haven't had a problem with it like ever uh at our our current table that we have going on um because there's I mean, you play uh, characters that are gay because that's that's what you're what you know and that's what you you pull from. I have a lot of characters that are are polysexual or pan um, and uh, represent the polyamorous community, things like that. And then you know we do have fun with it sometimes. I mean, we will there will be a, a character that we'll throw in purposely that is like the quote unquote stereotype uh, character. Um, but it's more of just us having fun than making fun of, if that makes sense. Um, and I've seen it done a couple of different ways as far as representation goes. I've seen it where, like with you, it's not as in your face. You don't have this token. There's there, there's that one token gay character. It's a token NPC, and his introduction is, Hi, my name is Robbie. I'm gay. Um you know that's how you do it in real life but i mean in the in in the game <laughs> we don't have that like in your face um it's more of uh you know the interactions that we have between uh the npcs and the the characters i mean we like you and i have flirted a thousand times in in dnd um and we've gotten very very flirty and it's been fun um that's been but yeah uh, but it's always subtle like that. It's not, it's not the in your face stuff. And I think that that's, I think that's how it should be. Even though I don't like saying like, this is how D and D should be, or this is how the game should be. Um, it's just that that's our life. This is, this is who we are. So why are we hiding it? Why are we, um, keeping it from a game that we enjoy? Or do we just throw it in because it's there that it doesn't affect the game at all. Thorne, do you have something? Yeah, and I'm going to apologize for my voice right now because it sounds like I've been gargling glass for the last two hours. Hey, you sound beautiful. Thank you. And I'm not saying I, I'm, the reason I'm not saying anything is because I sound like this, but I do have a question. Uh, Robbie, have you ever run into, into any flack on di from different storytellers about playing a gay character? Good question. Oh, that's actually a really good, really good point. Um, I've so I've never run into like full on flack, like where it's like it's um someone's like uncomfortable with me playing a gay character. But I've I've run into points in time where um my 
me playing a gay character and like even doing any kind of so i my what it looked like is i i played a gay character and they were like cool we're fine with you playing a gay character but the moment i casually like my gay characters are usually really flirty and the moment i casually say something flirtatious to like one of the other characters um suddenly it's they're like like oh don't flirt with me and stuff in the game and i'm like well i'm not full on flirting with you it's just like I'm 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 casually flirting with you. I'm not like trying to romance your character or anything. It was just like um, me responding naturally to the dialogue that's happening at the table, and that's the only time I've ever gotten flack. Is is just that um, I've run into tables that are like they're fine with the they're fine with the idea of me playing a gay character, but when I'm actually playing out the character and responding naturally to dialogue, that's when like the flat comes through they're like oh well don't be so flirtatious or don't do this and it's like that kind of um um that um act less like your character and more like something that makes us comfortable and so it's tables like that that i usually try to avoid um i'm usually pretty good at scanning them out it's usually with people i've never met that i run into stuff like that um but i'm the tables that i play at are usually people that i've already been i've already had experiences with so um that's the only time that's happened to me yeah that's i mean it makes sense i remember when i first started you know back in the 80s uh we always thought that D was so inclusive we really did um and it got to it wasn't until i was much older and was really seeing the world not through a 13 year old's eyes but through an adult's eyes it uh it, it really hit me that there was a lot of stuff that wasn't inclusive and it it kind of threw me because we always played it i mean inclusive all i've played with uh gay and queer men and women in D D for i don't know 20 some years and the the fact that uh that it it's just recently in the past what five maybe maybe 10 years that that watsy started to really change some of the stuff and get to the point where they're now doing a, a better job of it. But I still feel like they could be doing more. And it has a lot to do with, like you said, the authors of the modules and, and that kind of stuff of, of being more inclusive with the people to include all everything into it. So that's, I mean, that's my feeling. I don't, I don't feel like I can say a lot to it because I'm not part of the community. Um, I am a, a straight male. I mean, that's it. But I play with everybody because I think this game could be, is a great jumping point for conversation and learning a lot of what you don't know. And that's what I take from it. Cause I do ask questions cause I have questions. So, and it's better to ask the question than to ignore it. And it becomes awkward. So that's my two cents. That's what I got to say. Well, thank you, Thorne. And thank you, Elodine. Thank you for coming on this adventure with me. I really appreciate it. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. I have to say it, though. When Thorne said, you know, from the 80s, I was like, ba da da ba ba <laughs> Thinking of the Jurassic Park theme. Um, sorry, Thorne. <laughs> no, you're not. No, you're no, not. I'm, no I'm not. <laughs> and I, I want to say to everybody listening, if you have questions, if you want to know something, if you want 
anything from us, please email. Yeah, I don't have that. Can't ask me for money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could you could ask for money. Yeah, you're not gonna I, get I it. don't know <laughs> what I have in my change drawer, I guess. Um <laughs> you ain't you ain't gonna get it. Email address, Illidine. I always forget it. How can you forget it? It is the name of the podcast. It is this dungeon is occupied podcast at gmail.com. See? I just um there's one last thing I wanted to say really quickly. Go for it. Um I really appreciate and um and am grateful for the uh my two co-hosts who are also my close friends for always creating an inclusive environment where I feel comfortable and safe. Um, especially when it comes to Dungeons and Dragons and our role-playing games. And they've always strived for that. And it was never something that I asked them to do, nor was it something that I was, um, that I like had a conversation with, but they knew, I always felt like I was seen and heard by them. And in the worlds they created, they always made sure to have a part and special place for me to kind of explore and be myself. So Aww. thank you for that. I really do appreciate that. Um, it's been going to make all- me cry. <laughs> <laughs> it's been in all games. Um, uh, and I, I especially appreciate it. In, uh, even in our World of Darkness game, um, when Thorne was running a World of Darkness, he made sure to have a way for me to be myself the best way I could be in this game. And I really, I really do appreciate it. Same thing with Illidine's game. Um, no matter how gay I got, he always <laughs> had my energy, and I really did appreciate that as well. Um, and that's that's the goal, right? So, with your players, you want to like you want them to feel included, and so just creating that safe space for them to have their best and most authentic experience with you is great. So, get yourself an Elodie and Thorn. Oh, well, and I mean that that is the whole point, right? We we say it all the time is like rule number one is just to have fun in any tabletop game or any game that you're, you know, supposedly getting at a table with a group of friends. So if you're ever feeling uncomfortable at the table, the first thing you're supposed to do is speak up and talk to either your closest friend at the table or at the very minimum, your dungeon master or story weaver so that you can say, Hey, this is something that I'm, I'm not enjoying. I don't like that. I, you know, whatever it is, either have to hide myself or, you know, this is making me uncomfortable, whatever it is, doesn't have to be just related to this episode. It could be anything. If you're uncomfortable, you're not having fun. There's no point of being at that table. So talk about it first. See if there's some kind of, I don't even want to say accommodation. It's just like sometimes somebody may not know and you just have to, you know, if you speak up, they're like, oh shit, like I didn't realize I was doing that. So, you know, and then then it changes and then it's done and you guys can have fun. Or if it's something that does become a problem, like when Bone Daddy was saying about how he was getting flack for flirting too hard. I, I think if I was told that I was flirting too hard, I'd have to leave the table because that's just me. But it that, w- that would be the thing. Like, it, you know, talk about it. And then if they say, you know, Oh, this—that's just how we are. It's—it's not—it's not, it, not going to change ever. Well, then, I mean, I guess either a they weren't your friends, or b they're just not friends that you could play this game with, or tabletop games. You know, it—it's just you have to have fun. I don't understand. Like that's—that's that's the easy part. I thought. <laughs> Agree, Bone Daddy. 
I agree. I agree. This is fun. It is. Closing <laughs> thoughts uh, before I kick it to the end? Um, I mean, no, I feel like we've hit the nail over the head like several times. Um, the only closing thought I have is just have fun. Remember to steal anything. Happy Pride. Um, remember to celebrate all aspects of yourself. And just, you know, it's not worth it if you can't be your authentic self. So, you have a good one. Snaps all around. And remember, guys, always check your dungeons because this dungeon is occupied. What's up, Weavers of the Realm? As always, thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, If you haven't already, click that like button and subscribe or follow us on your chosen platforms. It goes a long way to help us grow. Uh, And if you liked the intro music that we just used, it was made with the help of The Hobby Hub on YouTube and Saturn Imaging Production Company. Uh, Also, if you want exclusive content like NPC of the Week, Discord access, and behind the scenes, join our Patreon at patreon.com slash thisdungeonisoccupiedpodcast. And of course, the link to our merch store, social medias, and all the other podcast uh, platforms are available on our link tree in the show notes. Good luck in your games, steal everything, and have fun.